podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everybody and welcome to the new season uh, of Anfield Index Under Pressure. Uh, my name's Dan Kennett and with me for this bumper season preview in person tonight I have uh, my namesake Dan, Dan Rhodes, Evening Rhodesy. Evening sir, getting Hi. a bit exciting now. Very exciting. Do you enjoy the Community Shield? Yes, from a, from a distance, from a not giving much of a care either way. But yeah, the results. The uh, the result was good. I thought the performance was good for sixty minutes. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I genuinely couldn't care less. So. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, and <laughs> I can't, I can't criticise Man City for putting it as their quadruple and then say, "Oh, it's an amazing." Yeah, that's just true. Amazing. Actually, <laughs> so um, we were we were meant to be doing a pod last night, all five of us, including Gags. Um, but due to the vagaries of um, British rail and um, travel, um, we had to cancel. Um, and Rosie recorded directly a segment with with Bart, who can't join us tonight. But he's he's done about twenty minutes already with Bart's, and he's going to try and edit that in through his editing wizardry. So hopefully that all hangs together, Rosie. Good luck with that, mate. Yeah, it'll be good. Phil's yeah. Phil's, Phil's work was excellent, so the work will stand alone. Yeah, but the good news is with us in person, we do have our most uh, practiced sports scientist. It's Mr. Simon Brundish. Evening, boys. Seasons ahead. Go. It's so exciting. And and how did and how did you? What was your take on the charity shield, mate? Enjoy that? Oh, it's kind of, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was fun. It was a party. It was a big party. Yeah. That must be, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was like it was like playing a good video game. So it quite yeah, it was quite intense for a charity shield. I thought, you know, especially our performance and stuff. So, um, how did you? Um, how do you think we're ready for? The season ahead side. Do you think um, the the preseason has done its job? Do you think we've timed it timed it well? I think we the whole, the, I think that the uh, Karen Kenny couldn't stop stop mouthing off about um, Pep planning for the second half of the season, and that's the reason why they've got fewer fixtures in preseason fixtures and ours. We got so many more, and we were much fitter than them. Bullshit. We're the same. We're all the same. He just happens to have trained more intensely and we've played more games for fitness in training. It's the same. The, the loading will be exactly the same for both teams. I don't think we're periodising in any different way. We actually have more players than them now. So so we're in a better spot to, to rotate for the season. Um, I, yeah, I, I think you'll see the best of us come the, after the first um, international break. That's when we'll start to fly. But... Nobody will be good before then, so um, so we'll just be better than the the dross we play against. Mm, mm. And before we before we get into the season preview, say um, I'm just going to give you a chance to have a quick uh, quick words on the uh, on the lionesses because um, 
you've been a champion of women's football for, for many years. You've been directly involved with it now at a professional level for at least, what, two years with Derby Lady? No, more, no, no, for, well, for, with the Englands, literally, because uh, how <clears throat> girls' football is set up differently. But, yeah. Um, the England, the, basically, instead of academies, they have um, what are called regional training centres, RTCs, and they have, which is like, I think there are 16 of them around the country, and they're directly feeders to the England age group teams. So oh, yeah. literally the bosses are England, um, and we send data into that. So they're all like part of the pathway. It's not done through clubs. It's very different. Um, and so I've worked for literally directly for England for six years. Wow. That's kind of a cricket. Cricket setup, isn't it? With where and like maybe rugby union in Wales, where everything's geared towards the national centralised. Yeah. yeah, 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 much more like yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, you've been paid. So it was also so 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 the twenty question. It was awesome. Um, it yeah. was it was bloody awesome. It was bloody exciting. Probably more than most. My I'm excited by them knowing the players, but but my wife yeah. gets so incredibly excited about the whole like national thing and the women's mm. national pride. And my daughter plays football. Um, and it was just it was just exciting. And it we've talked about this before that I have no love for international football at all. But that's only men's international football. I love watching this. It, it felt like. But like watching Italian 90 all over again when I used to love watching England. Nice. Um, and obviously you've been a paid-up member of the Lucy Bronze Fan Club, maybe even the chairman of the Lucy Bronze Fan Club for a, for a few years now as well. So, uh, yeah, Indeed. she was excellent. The second oh, best oh. right-back in the country. <laughs> um, yeah, just, just wrote, I mean, I mean they don't, what, what do you think about what Sai said there? I mean, how did you find the whole experience of the Lionesses? It was, I, you know, I, I personally, I, I've... Um, I mean, you know, if you know what I mean, I felt safe watching England. I didn't. Yes, there's none. There's none of the baggage, is there, Dan? No. Um, I think we've all grown up with baggage watching England's men's team. Um, whether you're going into a pub and then you've got all the knobheads being knobheads, or you go, mm. or you talk to people, and, and you'd some are really pessimistic and some are nationalistic, and it gets jingoistic and the press. Mm. That kind of thing. Whereas this was just like a really enjoyable, not just where people were just like kind of getting gripped with it without all the extras and all the add-ons. Yeah, and and it, and it developed, and then and then there were stories developing, like 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 Russo coming on, like top scorer, like the managers yeah. won all the games. So then then you build into those narratives, and then you watch it, and then you're watching it with your daughter, and you're watching it. And she's got, and she's like, you're, you, you know, you're usually watching. I'm all, well, virtually always watching um, men's football, and then she's, and she's like watching, watching it, going, oh, daddy, was it? Oh, she's, she's it. <laughs> and and that is just a nice thing, isn't it, to develop, and it gets them involved and gets them knowing these players and gets them, and it, obviously it's all going to build. Hopefully, yeah, build more now. Yeah, yeah. I that, the, the best thing about it, the best thing about it was, was, um, well, it. Partly, it felt a little bit like curling. If like every four years, curling happens, and then yeah. the people in the country go, "Oh, curling's awesome! Isn't that fun?" So, like, part of me feels like maybe that's what it is. Um, but winning might push it over uh, and, and create a little bit more of a longer-standing, like, positive feeling about it. And and maybe once the media has has jumped on the bandwagon in the way they have, it'll be too embarrassing for them to 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 stop following yeah. that makes Agreed. sense um so that's Agreed. a very positive thing but but the other thing with it is that is 
England. To be fair, England didn't play very well in the final, and we were kind of lucky. But okay, great. Um, it kind of makes the whole snide of beating Germany better. But yeah. there was still a sensational goal, and during the game there was a sensational goal save from from our goalie. So, mm. like those two things, they they kind of help to and and the moment of the winning goal. However, that garbage went in. The keeper's terrible, but but like. Uh, that Chloe was f- full on like she she planned that that um, legendary celebration goal celebration yeah. because that's one of her heroes and that was one of those moments in time for her to go and um, yes was that, the Amer- is that the American girl was it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and so there? like that's it's just one of those. Uh, Brandy Chastain is one of those yeah, yeah, um, like those those great moments, and and I just think it's a legacy moment of twenty twenty three years ago that happened or something along those lines. Um, and this kid is doing it to replicate that like iconic image. So now our kids have got that iconic image to go on, and I, I just think that it, there's lots of special imagery in there, underpinned by irrefutably Beth Mead was made, did some sensational football things. <laughs> and and you can't argue with that, and and that is great for everybody. Mm. Yeah. Kira Walsh was pretty damn good, I thought as well. But anyway, we got to we're gonna we are gonna have to crack on with the Liverpool pod now. So thank you for that. Anyways, I just wanted to give you a a chance to have a a word about that. Got some scousers in that team as well, you know. Yeah, and 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 fun. I have to say, fun. You know, it, it was you know, who, who would have thought that it was just the meatheads in the in the country? But there you go. Right. Anyway, here we go, Liverpool. 2223 season preview. Um, and we are going to start um, with the probably the, the biggest factor for every club in in the land this season, which is the unique nature of the season. So, Sai, you did, fortunately for this, you did a, a, a good hour on this already with Gags when the, when the fixtures came out, didn't, they? didn't you? So if anybody wants to know the full deep dive analysis on this, then just go ahead and listen to that fixtures pod. But I want you to just, if you can, give us the, the, key, the key sections of the season and the unique nature of what, on the challenge of what this presents, Sai. So it's set up fairly uniquely in the, um, the first... Three weeks, well, first, yeah, three games a season have no games in between. So you, it's, it's weekend game, nothing. Weekend, nothing. Weekend, bang, everything. Um, so they've they've kind of allowed uh, an extended spring uh, spring training, extend, extended preseason um, for teams to build in because the because the season finished quite late. Um, and this is unique. So so allow sports science to kind of dictate how best they see the planning for the world cup which is absurd but i i still don't think this is good science i think this is weird how they've set it up this way so for the first um so we've got three games in uh in the first 19 in, days in august yeah three games we've got well we've got we've got five games in august actually but but um fulham away palace at home man united away on to bournemouth between those games we have um, fourteen full rest days, and you know how we've talked about these mm. uh, full days of rest. That's absurd, and we get fourteen between that day if we for our World Cup players, and um, yeah. So if so, for our World Cup players, we get fourteen more 
um, rest days between then and February the 11th. So it's so context For context sake, we didn't have many actual rest days, did we, in the running last season, if any? No, 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 no. No, we didn't. We had one in the last three months of the season, full days of recovery. So yeah, it's 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 kind of it's kind of absurd. So so what this allows is the is real tactical um, rather than people think of training as being like a physical get you fitter thing. That's not it. It's not it anymore with footballers anyway because they're always fit. It's they've they've used the off season to develop freshness so they so they're ready to fire again. But this gives real rehearsal time in in training so we can refine new tactical nuances whatever the, that evolution we're going to do the first two weeks of the season. And so you can kind of rehearse it and have a real game and see how that goes. And then you've got four full days where you're fully recovered, where you can have two more really, really good quality tactical training sessions. And you can do that three times after the first games. So that's, that's unique in itself. But from that moment, then it catches fire. Uh, and we have, te- uh, we have seven games... Um, in 22 days up to the in, up to the first international break. Uh, and so then you're playing with your pants on fire and full-on rotation is already... If you remember, we usually play the first two blocks of the season, first international break to the second international break, with very little rotation. There's like one or two. We had two and a half... Uh, 2.6 six, uh, player rotations last season at that point. And... We're going to be playing like five or six every single game for the up until the first international break. From after Man United, I, I'm expecting five or six changes per game, and that's why we've got a good squad of the of we 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 are that two players per position kind of uh, you know our uh, big Man United and then into City kind of uh, uh, squad size, which is great. And it's it's kind of the first time in our in our modern history that we've been in the position to do this. One thing I wanted to ask you today was about the World Cup. The World Cup end last week in November, so twentieth of November. Does it start the first match? Uh, yeah, but the, the they leave on the thirteenth of November yeah. for the international break uh, for the World Cup, and it finishes. They were it finishes on the fifteenth of December. Yeah, and then the, effectively, there's a there's, there's, there's a few rounds of the Carabao Cup shoehorned in just before Christmas, or maybe just. After. And it's Boxing Day, isn't it? Is the restart for the Premier League? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got the first round for the first time of the Carabao Cup, or the first round that we're in. It's not until the 9th of December, which is usually three games in by that stage. So they've pushed it right back to the 9th of December. So we've got it's the uh, penultimate match before the World Cup, um, which we play the the final game is Southampton. But yeah, the penultimate game, and then it's the first game back as well. So it's the 21st. So if you remember, we played Villa. In the World Club, we played the World Cup Club, Club Cup, and then Villa, didn't we? In in the um, the week leading into Christmas, like two years ago or whenever it was, um, and that was it's like the semi final round there. It might be the quarter final, but it's like much later on. And this time it'll be the second game. Yeah, and I think the most important thing is is that once we pass this first uh, this August period where there's lots of these these rest days, then there is not a single game of slack in the schedule for a reschedule so if there's anything which is adverse weather anything which is unplanned or cancelled fixture in any way there is currently no 
slack at all in the schedule to pull in. Is that correct? Uh, almost. There's none till April. So the first one would be the 4th of April. There are two windows, 4th of April and 3rd of May. Wow. That They're the only two weeks that there isn't a midweek game for the rest wow. of the season. Yeah. Yeah. That's absurd. So, so if, there's ever a, if there's ever a time to go out in the first round of both domestic cup competitions, it's this year. Yeah. Or, or I, you know, I, I, obviously, I don't. I'm not tactically down go out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't. I don't. It's, it's like it's not even tactically do that. Do anything. Uh, go out. Right. It's it's sign up to publicly only play these players in this competition, like he's done with goalies. Like goalies have got um, certain goalies have got certain <clears throat> competitions, and he's publicly talked about. But what if he says if he can if he comes out with. Uh, because if he says it publicly, he can't go back on it. And I think he's gone back on his original decisions last season because we got further. And then as soon as we got to the semi-finals, it was all in. But even then, we were playing some of our first team. Like um, Salah played his first ever game in the Caribbean mm. Cup. In, like the third round last year. And Virgil played the season before. And I don't want to see any of that. So if he just goes, none of these eight key players play a single minute of the Garbage Cups then I'm absolutely fine on us going all in with the rest of them. Because we've got a big squad and, and using them, using it as training and as experience, that's fine. Even, that's even though no, But even though there's no slack in the schedules to, 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 to things for, for, for adverse weather or cancellations. Because that, well, that it's take them over, isn't it? That's what I guess I say, and just keep, keep some minutes for the guys that aren't getting any minutes in the Premier League or Champions League. Sure, just use its training time. Yeah, I'm just wondering. I just think they're going to train either way. Yeah, yeah. I just think that this season there is going to be a, a serious. There's a serious possibility of a club, not necessarily us, but a club having to do what we did in uh, two seasons ago, where we had to play two two games in two days on different sides of the world, basically for you know with the and because because the the schedule would not change, and there was no give. And I, I guess I know what you but. There is an extra rule this year that that can't legally happen anymore. So there, there are no, there's no possibility of two games in 48 hours. It's been removed by the Premier League. So the, uh, uh, and the FA, they, they made some agreement or something, I don't know. So, so basically all the things that Klopp has been complaining about and been ridiculed about for the last five years of, of not playing Saturday, more, Saturday lunchtime games after Champions League, all of the, uh, the five subs, all of those things are now being installed this year. So we're actually fine. And the only worry about like uh, the crunch of fixtures would be if we get far in the cup. Because if we yeah. don't get far in the cup, then there is schedule there is slack. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. is okay. schedule slack, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, Rosie, thoughts on um, the overall World Cup um, thing and, and, how, and what, what the impact's going to have? Um... Well, there's not much I can add to one side comments there, but the two is his podcast um, where he goes into a lot more detail. And I think we're going to touch on other bits when we talk about how repeatable last season is with injuries and the volume. And add. However, if we were lucky or if we were planned and the planning and the, all the sports science that goes into reducing that. But um, it's... <laughs> Dan, it's just an, to be honest, it's an absolute aberration that we're having a World Cup halfway through a season. 
Um, there are lots of issues that go around that. I think we've got the volume of squad. I think we've got the numbers. I think if we go along the plan there. Just interested in which eight players I thinks. I don't know if we're going to come on to that, but which are the yeah, eight players? Yeah, no. So <laughs> what, do you, what, what do you boys think about how we should attack this season with this with this five-week block in the middle, which is which is something we can't control. We can't control how our players are going to do, how they're going to be treated, how they're going to what, what how they're going to be trained when they're with the national teams, how they're going to be like if when they come back. My my opinion is that we should literally go as hard as we can from game one and play as yeah. and, 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 and just get as many points on the board as we can as before the thing starts. That would be my yeah. strategy. Rosie, yeah? Yeah, well, if, I, think, I think all three of us are pretty much agreed and the league is the, is, is, is the key competition because um, you, you can't really talk about the Champions League until you get to the last stages, until you get to the, especially the knockouts. Which we also should be doing, but yeah, it's absolutely go. F- and because I think if you look at some of the other teams, and again we'll come on to this, but some of our best players aren't going to the World Cup as well, Dan. Mm-hmm. So that does give them a rest. So it does give us an opportunity to play them at a higher volume of minutes than what we might have done otherwise. Yeah. Um, and Sai, um, how do you think um, Jurgen will be trying to? Handle what will he? What will his plan for this massive uncontrollable in the middle of the season be? Do you think? How do you think he's going to? Play? I think the massive uncontrollable is really in our favour. Okay, I think it's hugely in our favour. I think we're in a really good position with Jurgen now having and Corny and all of the backroom team now having this great experience of um, German football, which does have a winter break, oh, and yeah. and Premier League football now, where they've integrated their. System our players are fully hardy to play in this um, insane intensity of football without getting injured um, and now they've got a winter break that they can plan for because they're experts at this winter break and, and make no mistake this is pretty much a winter break if you if you look at the players that are going to the um, to the World Cup that I, we'll talk about who the oppositions are for, for us in the league this season but Man City have got 12 players all of their good players are going to the World Cup. Bottom half. So, uh, of 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 our players that are going to the, our best players that are going to the World Cup, we've got we've got uh, the keeper, um, but he's a keeper for God's sake. I'm who's stressed about that. You've got you've got Trent who doesn't play. You've got um, Fabinho. Um, who mostly doesn't play, but if he does, great, he's a machine, whatever. But he's not. I, I'm not greatly worried about the tax of that, and um, and Henderson's not going to play. So one way or the other, we've got six coming back, um, and uh, we've got Darwin. Pretty yep. much, they're the dudes that are going to the World Cup. Yeah, and like, Thiago's, Thiago's not yeah. even being picked. Yeah. And if he is, he's not in the team anyway, is he really? Exactly, and he hadn't even been picked in the squads for the last game. So who knows if he's going or not? But he's not—he's not going to get run ragged. So, yeah. so these lads are going to be fresh. And and the most single two, the well, the two most important players in our squad aren't going to the World Cup. Salah and Van Dijk. Van Dijk's not going. Holland aren't at the World Cup, are they? Yeah, no, I, I they don't are. Think 
That throws <laughs> off. That throws off all my calculations. <laughs> got a, I don't know. Oh I my god! Wrong. They're in Group A. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Don't take any notice of me tonight. Bloody hell! <laughs> but, I've been through yeah. all the squads calculating the number of people, and I've got I've got the grid up in my mind, and and Netherlands aren't at the World Cup. Jesus but, Christ! But I, Robbo's not there. Nabi's not there. Mo's not there, and Louis Diaz not there. So we got a lot of big players who aren't World Cup. Yeah, and Bobby, who knows whether Bobby's going or not? But but either way, we've got much more of a, a buffer than any of the other teams, who's all of their best players are going to the World Cup. Excellent. Right now, Rosie. One yes. of the other things that affects the every team in the league is is changes changes to the regulations of those those main competitions, and there's quite a few actually big ones, isn't there, coming up this season. Um, Changes to the regulations for Premier League and Champions League. So obviously the first one is five subs. Yes, of course. Finally, the Premier League is dragged kicking and screaming into the 21st century. Um, um, did you see the announcement today, Rosie? No. From Dale, from Dale Johnson. The, cha- oh, the, no. the Champions League will have semi-automated offside. Oh, so they're bringing in that thing that we yeah. were talking about. Fi- oh, well. The FIFA, UEFA have said that the FIFA system is good. They like it. And then it's going in. All right. And there's a very nice little explainer on the FIFA website and UEFA website now on a two-minute video on how it works um, and, how, you know, the, and how it should end up in a, in a friendly format for fans. So that's another big one. Um, the, um, the multi-ball system is coming back, Rosie. This season, uh, so apparently, apparently the Premier League uh, were unhappy at the, the every time last season, and they want to increase that, which is which is good for us, right? Good for Liverpool. Well, it should be, especially for the transitions and our, our throwing practice and our training and our movements from there. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. That's, that's re- that's, sorry, Darth. That's really interesting. I was at um, I was at the. Uh, game on Sunday if we can call it a game the uh, training session in front of fans um, and that is the first time I've seen um, there, there was specific cone set up right around this, the pitch uh, I think there were three there were four balls on each end and then there were there were two balls in each half uh, on either side of the pitch and they had lads ready to throw the balls on straight away Ooh, and when one really came off, one one ball, it, one ball accidentally, one of the subs um, warming up knocked it off, and it it ran onto the pitch, and uh, and quickly, like the the little boys were told off, and and quickly replaced the ball instantly. It was like in five seconds. So, it's, and I thought it was odd. I didn't realize ball change, but that makes so much sense, and and it will make a big difference to the season. And the final one we just wanted to look at, Rosie, quickly was. The, there was, they're not going to get rid of the late flags, but there's no, there's going to be a clear change. Oh, good. Apparently, in, in the changes to the late flags. So, apparently, Pommel, uh, now headed up by Howard Webb. Yeah, I'm not my United fan. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Pogmol now said that uh, only delay raising the flag for an obvious offside when there is an immediate chance of a goal. So it's still a bit subjective, yeah. obvious offside, immediate chance of a goal. Hopefully, though, it should give yes. a few more flags going up than last season, though. Yeah, because immediate does does kind of insinuate that it's, it's got to be pass, offside, possibly. Has he got a shot immediately? Instead of some of the ones that we had, 
where we're playing a high line up until the halfway line and they're playing a through ball in. And if if that player is like 40 yards one goal, that's not an immediate chance, is it? Is that a, yeah. what? Like the only Watkins at Villa where it was on the left wing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> when... Yes. Well, we, we had a few last season. And they yeah. went down as data, didn't they? Yeah. So hopefully yeah. that's going to have a hopefully that's, that's going to have a good impact all around that one. Right. So so this makes sense because uh, we saw a few of these on Sunday as well. So they're obviously implementing the new rules, and I'm not convinced it's going to be any different. I, well, it's going to be different. I don't think, I don't know if it's going to be better because it's still subjective, and there was still two moments in the game where everyone was going. What, put your flag up. What are you doing? And then, and then, in the next moment, the guy put his flag up straight away for for a, a shot, and it was like, what? It actually, yeah. actually happened in the World Cup too. There was a similar moment in the World Cup final too. So I'm not, I'm not convinced. I, but I, I, I think VAR, the automated VAR, will sort it anyway, one way or the other. And and yeah. what what will end up being that linos will just not put their flags up ever again. <laughs> I, honestly, I think we'll be a season away. I think we're a season away from from the automated system flagging the lines put, or, or, or to some automated um, like signalling to the crowd to the to the to the players rather than the lino. I think it's because it's because it's instant. It takes it takes point two of a second for them to decide if it's offside or not. Yeah, and that will also yeah. cut out the data errors, won't it? <clears throat> yeah, so yeah, yeah. We do. We, we're we're shocked. We shouldn't shot really ever. and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Which is always a higher chance of being a big chance if it's your last line of defence and someone's through, yeah? Yeah, and yeah. maybe it can change a little. I, you know, if, even if it's, say, like a 25%, 33% reduction, in, I'll, I'll still take that versus the last couple of seasons, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Just the yeah. most annoying ones, yeah. And and yeah. just I, I what the thing that I wanted to be, be removed is the thing you described. If we can get rid of the ball over the top on the halfway line and a 40-yard sprint at full speed, yes, to a very obvious offside, that's the thing I want removed because that's where injuries occur. Unnecessary injuries occur there. Unnecessary high-intensity sprints, yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Extra okay. load that doesn't need to be there. The, the only, the um, only particularly thing when they're playing offside, when they're playing offside right, they're facing away from goal. So they first, they have to drop step, put all of their weight to transfer to go in the opposite direction, which is really high intensity in their muscle and their joint more than anything in their knee. Uh, and then they have to sprint. And like, and I don't, I don't, uh, if we can remove those, great. Yeah. Um, Rosie, the only thing I was going to say, I uh, challenged a bit from their stuff, you know, those new developments this season was that the Premier League said that the average ball in playtime last season was 55 minutes and 7 seconds. Now, I thought that was actually quite high. I wasn't expecting... Based on the stuff that we've seen off... Um, uh, Wise Scout. Wise Scout. I, I, I wouldn't have... I, what did you, do you think that's right? 55 minutes, 7? 50, 53 I got when I did it for a season, and that was for us. Oh, just Liverpool Liverpool games yeah. only? Yeah, oh. yeah. But um, oh. all games, I, I can go and try and find it, but I think 53, 54, 55 is about right. Okay. Because we're trying to get it to 60 out of That's the point about the stop clock. Yeah, the ball and play clock thing they want to yeah, introduce yeah. maybe in a couple of years, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's let's go on to the, 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 the other one we did. We spent like about an hour and a half on the last year's preview part. We're not going to spend as long this time, which is the squads, the squad analysis site. Um are we? Is our squad ready for the rigors of a 
of, a, of, a, of an intense season with the, with, the, with the World Cup in the middle. Do we have enough depth across the squad to cover the fixtures available? And do we have enough quality depth? Go. Sorry. No, no. Uh, okay, the second answer, the, the second question in there, because there are two, do we have enough depth or do we have enough quality depth? Because I think the first one, we've had enough depth for five years. The second one, I think we've only ever had enough depth now. It came into it came into being in the second half of last season, and now I think it's it's inarguable that this is our strongest ever squad to start a season. Um, I'm minutes per minutes. I think we have more than we have an abundance. I think we've got thirty two percent more minutes than the highest number of minutes required for a season per the squad, which is, seems to be a decent amount of spare, just in case. That's our buffer for injury. Yes, so we've got thirty percent buffer of of uh, of injury minutes. So every every club is going to need, uh, let's say, a bit of luck. But it's not luck. Every every club needs to not get bad luck of repeat injuries in the same positions because that can decimate anybody. But we have we are in the best position to do that because we have two players for every position. We have two quality players for every position. We have the ability to rotate proactively from the beginning of the season and we have less World Cup players that are going to be playing the most intense minutes of their life in the hottest conditions on earth and then coming back to play the the second busiest period of, of football in history. Yeah. Um, can you give us um, one of your... The, the most contentious area of all size is the midfield. The, the, there's been a huge narrative all summer long that Liverpool do not have enough depth and enough quality depth in midfield. Um, and I think nearly all of this debate is simply driven around the, your opinion of Jordan Henderson and Curtis Jones. And I think people who ha- are more comfortable with those two players, I think the midfield minutes are broadly okay. The, the people who don't like those two players... I think that we have we are short in midfield. Also, the fact that we did try to sign a really insure many, um, but you know we, have, we can have a few words on that in a minute. But um, when you crunch the numbers on the midfield, Sai, what did you find? Just give us an example of this. This how how the minutes for the the predicted minutes for each player, the expected minutes needed by the team, and and the buffer. So we need if if we play every minute of the Premier League, obviously, and Champions League. I don't care about those other two nonsense things. Um, that is 13,770 for a, a three-man midfield. If we just include Fab, Pendo, Naby, Thiago and CJ, their three-year averages ranks at 3,620 minutes. So just of those players, so we aren't even including Milner. in. We aren't including Ox or Harvey or Carvalho. Okay. And just with those so five cover, players, just with those five players, we cover the minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But we do have those players, and CJ isn't going to play a three his three year average of sixteen hundred minutes because last season Klopp thinks he is worth keeping. Right? If Klopp thinks he's worth keeping, he knows more about football than I do, and he knows mm. more about the footballer in person than anybody talking about it. Right, the footballer in question, and he has been grooming him to take over um, uh, an active role in the first team. Um, and he he actually has very good 
underlying stats of when he's on the pitch. But yeah, um, last season, he had really, he was just really unlucky with injury. Freak eye injury. That yeah. just doesn't happen. That's that's not an indication of a non football um, a non football injury. Exactly. About two um, months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, and it's not. Um, so, how many games did he miss last season? Injured, um, which is the first season in his entire career. He had. and he was concussed at the start as well, and he had all kinds of. Yeah, he didn't really. He had any... concussion. He had an eye issue. He had he had a, uh, a like almost detached retina, uh, and then he had COVID. Um, that's just the trifecta. So yeah, he missed he missed sixteen games last season with injury. Yeah, and he never he just doesn't get injured. He's not he's not one of those guys. He's not ox. He's not he doesn't have soft tissue injuries, and yeah. he didn't get any soft tissue injuries last season. So it's very so those injuries that he had the games missed are very unlikely to be predictors of future injury, which is how we look at these things. So you can ox is always going to get injured. That's that's just. It's one of the things you sign up for with him. We we hope to mitigate some of that. We can say that about Naby, but Naby had an underlying cause, which is um, he had a previously didn't have any injuries till he came to Liverpool. Then he, he got a quite a big rec fem one, and it took a while to get it fixed. Matip was one of those guys, and then he had surgery to fix his issue, and then he wasn't injured ever, uh, and he, he had the highest number of minutes he played for five years last season. Yeah. So you can look at the look at the reasons behind these things. There are reasons. And you can be very optimistic about those lads. I think I think it's unlikely that that Thiago is going to play um, anything more than three thousand three thousand minutes for Thiago wins us the league, in my opinion. Yeah, but he's and only done that once in his whole career. Thiago. Yeah. No, he hasn't. He's done it. He's done it three times in the last oh, seven he's... years. So he's I'm got four thousand. Maybe I was excluding international when I was looking at excluding the internationals because most of the time. Oh, okay. He, he, He's just over two thousand. It's typically in league in, in for his club. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got, he's, got, uh, he's got two and a half. Yeah, I suppose with with just international. I, I've got my numbers all have internationals in, so I'm not. Yeah, I'm yeah. not quite sure what the difference is. And I keep saying to people, you know, with Thiago, if we get two thousand five hundred minutes for Liverpool, that's a, that's going to be amazing. That's his absolute maximum best case scenario, and his most likely is probably more like two thousand two thousand one hundred, which is only just over half a league season, right? I think we'll be unlucky if we get that. I honestly do. Okay, I, so you think, you think I, 2,500? I don't think he's going to play for Spain this season. And that's okay. where a lot of his minutes have gone before. And I do believe that players have a tolerance for, for playing time over the course of a season. And I think if you can take it off one, it leaves more available for us, which is the, my whole thing about cup games. If we burn them in cups, we have less than, less than important games. So you, so you I, think 2,500 is, is most likely for Thiago? I think his four-year average is 2,559. Okay. Okay. And Fabinho, is, um, he's getting more injured there than he used to be. He, obviously, he's getting slightly older, but he's still a high-load player, right? Three and a half thousand minutes, maybe 4,000, is it? Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a, three, he's a 3,800. Yeah. But the key is, again, is not... He just won't be able to play every single game in both the big competitions. There'll have to be some... There'll have to be some slack, won't there? For both of my, my, but Well, yeah, it's not just, it's not just that. It, it's that, yeah, because of the way it's scheduled, like in the first block, that he can't play... So he can play the first three games, obviously, but then, um, then he's not going to play the next eight games in a row. 
it's just not possible to be to yeah. do that in, in in four weeks. So he's probably going to miss two of those. Yeah, I would say six of eight is optimal for him. Yeah, of the midfield, he is the guy that can play six of eight. I think the best version of a very fit Jordan Henderson plays the equivalent of five of eight, split with subs, and and um, and Tiago is a similar thing. I, I think if you can rotate Naby, Thiago, and Hendo, and uh, for for five, the equivalent of five of eight games between them in minutes, and then bring CJ in for probably a little bit less than half. Yeah, and do do you think something like the um, after after Christmas last last season where Thiago and Naby effectively rotated the left eight position? Can, can you see something like that happening again for the season? And do you think Naby? Uh, can... Yeah. Repeat last season's load. Well, I think Naby will exceed last season's load. Uh, I Ooh. think there was reasons for doing that last season, and I think it was to build up. It was to spare the tolerance of both of those lads until they gradually built up like robustness for two games a week. Their their chronic load, and by the end of the season, they were playing together. Yeah, and they they were selected together in I think once Naby. One, two, three, four, five, seven games, and it had never been they'd never been selected together before until the the final fifteen games of the season, and then they played seven together. Yeah. So I think they they are very much part of the first team rotation to like as a, as a as a pair. I think tactically, uh, playing Naby is going to be a key component of Darwin. I think we're going to have partnerships develop on pitch on the pitch. Mm. So we're going to have certain types of Naby's three of, balls. Uh, yeah, we're going to have certain types of of uh, selections of pairs to create with the attack because we talked before about Diaz and how um, uh, he does things that are different than how we built before and. We're going to need different things in midfield to cope with that. I think we might see a little bit more of Samikas than we had done in the past as well. And the key question that, like most, I th- well, what I've heard anyway, and what I particularly think most people have pretty much settled on, you know, defence and attack. Um, we don't know how the attacks going to develop, but we're happy with the numbers. But what about midfield? That's the other key side point to this squad analysis. I think I've said, I think I've said on Discord and a few others that you know. Uh, um, and I've said it in this pod at the beginning of the season, I'm all about controlling the midfield. And I think we got that wrong first half of last season. I don't think we controlled games as well as we should have done. And some of that was through injury, as I pointed out in the post-season review, and some of it was through, I, I think we just fundamentally picked the wrong players and wrong roles. Um, so we have a chance to make that good. The issue I have with the midfield is... You know, we, I've seen people butt about, well, if we get Thiago playing 30 games, then, you know, we'll win the league. And that's above his actual threshold for minutes plays in a season. Um, and Naby, again, I, I am touching wood, hoping that he's largely sort of rectified his issues and he's on an upward trend. But you still, to get him to play, say, 30 games is, again, a progression on his numbers from last season that might, might just be a bit too much. So, for me, then you're going to have to ask them to share a role um, and it'll all, it comes back to can the players left to play, let's say the right eight role, although it does look a little bit tweaked from Saturday from Saturday's game. Um, are they of the adequate quality on a week by week basis to provide that role uh, offensively and defensively? And and that to me is still the question. And and that's 
probably why I think the numbers are there, and I might I might be shot down for this, and I hope I'm proven wrong, but I probably why I would have gone and got another midfielder. But yeah, there you go. Do you can you will you make any case for some of the youngsters picking up those minutes that you mentioned that we need to? Um... Um, yeah, I think Harvey coming back, you could expect him to make to make play a thousand minutes. Curtis, if he's got a future first team, it really needs to be stepping on towards two K. I think he was in mid mid thousands last season. Uh, without sight here, I can't. I can't. I've got the sheet up in front of me. But so Curtis really needs to be kicking on. Remember, Harvey played very few league minutes last season. So you know, again, people are saying, "Oh, he can do fifteen hundred minutes." First, let's get a thousand under his belt first of all. Let's see how he is and integrate. And I think actually the fact that he played on the Sunday game says quite a bit about where he is in the pecking order. Um, so yeah. that would be something to look at. Carvalho is a wild card. He's played a lot of minutes in the championship, so he's played a good chunk of minutes. But he's Klopp's sort of said he's going to play in the forward line first of all, and not in midfield. Um, so you're kind of down to your four that we had at the end of last season as being your mainstays. Uh, plus, you're kind of not hoping, because I think there is something there with Harvey that he can progress his minutes. But whilst Ox is injured and Joss is injured, Harvey's been asked to cover the wide forward worlds as well. As well. So he's, do you know what I mean? But that knock-on effect of having two players, or one in each unit, in defence, we can kind of cover it a little bit. So we've got both fullback covers out injured at the moment. They probably should be back very soon, but we can cover that. In midfield, by not even though Ox was so limited down, he helped cover the front front players as well. And Jota not being there as well means that we've only got, you know, you're cutting down your cover and your 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 pool of minutes. So that's why I think Harvey has in pre-seasons played a lot in the wide right forward role. Um, and I think he where he played on Saturday and Sunday as well. So yeah, I think he can make the step up. I'm not saying he can't. I just think. It's a bit of a, it's not just, a, for me, it's a bit of an art. I think it's still a bit of an art to ask a, a kid to go and perform at elite level, which is what you need to do to win the league from day dot. We have to go out flying out of traps. Yeah. A final one, Si. Um, do you think the change to five subs is going to help or hinder um, our squad, uh, and particularly the players maybe who are very, very good in our squad, but aren't cyborgs. How do you, how do you think the five subs is going to play out? Oh, yeah, I think it helps no end. I think it, it, it might piss a few people off because they're going to get few, slightly fewer minutes and get ta- and Mo's going to get taken off more than he ever has. So like Naby, so Thiago, uh, Naby on for Thiago on 60 minutes, that, that could be a thing, for example, yeah? or And vice versa. Absolutely. It absolutely could be a thing. I'm I'm, I'm fully expecting it to be a, a thing that we're starting to pair um, eight and we're starting to pair... Hendo, Hendo for Fab. Units, yes. Yeah, I think yeah. we have units in the team that have... So it's, so let's say if CJ's playing the, the left side at eight then we, we're going to have uh, a more progressive right-sided eight and we'll have, then we'll have Bobby dropping in from the yeah. nine. I, I think it's going to be specific combinations that, we, that create sequences during a game that, we're, that we need to solve problems. And, and Rosie, I've got a I've got a question for you on the squad. Um, not not on not on the mm. minutes and the fitness side of things, but just on the goal side of things. So, how do you how do you think how do you see us with the um, the lost all those goals that we've lost from the team uh, from the squad with with Sadio, um, um, well, Taki and Divock? 
Um, and obviously with um, Darwin coming in, how do you, how do you, how do you see that? It's a lot of goals to go out the squad, isn't it? So just on the Premier League, and obviously a lot of Minamino's goals came in the in the Carling Cup and the um, keep calling yeah, League Carling, Cup, keep just a League Cup. <laughs> the League Cup and the FA Cup, and the, again, like Divi had one point five nine nineties in uh, the Premier League. So, if we're looking at the two competitions that really matter, how are we going to replace the seventeen XG that Sadio had, or twenty odd XG that he had across both competitions? How how are we going to re, how are we going to do the um, how are we going to replace his sixteen goals in the league? Can, it, can Nunes put those kind of numbers up? Mm. I think. Looking at last season and his performance, yes, but you've talked about the league tax and whether we think that can happen and will there be a slight evolution in the team. I think it's I think it's the most interesting question. A lot of people seem to be focusing on the midfield and it's kind of been done to death and not as well as what I think Sai's just done it there. But and Phil yesterday. Um but I think the key is can we replace one man's contribution to our attacking, warm our defensive attacking. So yep. it's pressing because his pressing improved across the across the years. Um, he moved into the middle. He's a completely different player to Nunes. So we're going to have to switch from how we played last season towards when he was playing in the central role to what we're going to do this season. Can Nunes do that? Well, Nunes is a shot monster. He seems to have great locations. Yep. Um, his average shot last season was phenomenal. It was like Mane. And Diaz. And Diaz. Well, Diaz came in and got 5 yeah. XG. I, I think. 10 games with 4 goals. So he was slightly underperforming. And we, we know why. In answer your question, I think, I think Diaz will be able to match Sadio for his pressing and his gagging. And, and I think he will exceed yeah. Sadio in terms of his expected assists. But really? I don't think he will match Sadio's in terms of his expected goals and his actual goals. I think I don't think he. Oh, shots per ninety. Mane was at three point one six in the Premier League last season. Diaz yeah. was three point five seven. So he had the volume. But again, this no, yeah, but no, but this is the point. Yeah, point one two. So twelve percent chance, which is still higher than average, but and it's yeah. good for Diaz in his ten games. But Mane's was at. Seventeen percent, which is only worse. Which is he's the best in the team apart yes. from Jota. And Jota was the, Jota, Jota was was the best player in the Premier League last season for his average shot quality and his non-penalty yes. XG per ninety. Yeah. So, but Sadio no. wasn't far behind. And remember, we did that pod on so we got we three players to twenty goals in all competitions, didn't we? And stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And we had, and we also had three players getting to twenty goals with. So, same, so there's no red flags in there. You know, a 16, a 16, and a 21 yeah. XG um, for those three players, Salamani and Jota. That, that's that's sustainable. You can keep doing that. You just need Nunes to come in and replace that. And you've got Diaz for the full season. So, And he's got the shot volume. But it just, I just think he, one, he, like Phil mentioned towards the end of last season, improve his, improve his choices, his decisions of when yeah. to shoot. Don't become don't become predictable. Don't make that cut inside and curl at your main move because teams are just going to pick up on it and, and push you further so, and further back. So it's going to get less. First question, then first prediction for the pod, then Rosie. Um, what do you think, Darwin Nunes goals in all goals in all hmm. competitions? 
Oh, comps, we're going. Okay, well, I've got my prediction written down, which I'm going for 19 XG with 20 goals in the Premier League um, for 28 goals. All comps. I'm going to go 23. 23 goals. Darwin, Darwin. Okay. Darwin yeah. gets 28 goals next season. All comps. Yeah. I'm going to go 23, Say, si. What are you saying? God, that'd be amazing. I know. I, I don't think he starts that many games. <laughs> wow. I think it's going to be Bobby and Bobby. Go on, then. Bobby and Jota. I, I think Jota. I think people grossly underestimate Jota. How about his injury? Play a lot. How about his injury? He's fine. He'll be fine. By when? It's got. It's just got to be a hamstring injury. He'll be back in two weeks. Okay. So just well, let's go. Sell it one side. Diaz the other, and then. Can See, I we're going with this, right? We're going with this Diaz thing. You guys are way hotter than, on Diaz than I am. But who, who would play there instead? Jota. Yeah, sometimes. No, I'm just I, saying, well, I, I so. But I don't think we can be stuck with one lad. And and so you, you're talking about pressing and, and Diaz, def, like, um, using Darth's numbers, the um, Mane had 24.9 pressing adjusted. And Diaz at 27.7. So you got the pressing in there. Diaz, the the one big hope for Diaz of him turning into Mane is that um, it's not about sh- it's not about what he does with a shot. It's about where he takes the shot from. Yeah, it's he's going to get in to make easier shots. And the thing is that he 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 isn't a finisher. He isn't innately a striker. That Mane has striker's instincts, and he is in there for rebounds. He is in there for crosses, while while Diaz is not. He's in there for a glory goal. So he's he might get you in the best case scenario thirteen brilliant goals in a season that mm. change games. Mm. He is not going to get you twenty goals. That Mane might just you know tap in seven and get five headers. Do you know what I mean Jota's going to be doing that? So no, but yeah, yeah my, my, we forgot about Bobby too. No, yeah, but my question was originally: what, what's your prediction of for, for Nunes in all comps? Darwin Nunes. I think if he gets twelve, I'll be overjoyed. Okay. I, I would you... love, I would love the team to fully evolve and that it becomes his team, him and Mo. I, I really see that potential where he and Mo can fully take on this like wondrous Dalglish rush thing and or Stevie and Torres and, mm. and they both get 25 30 goals in them and Mo come Mo, Mo finishes the season with 25 and 25 I think that's absolutely a possibility I just don't know if he's going to get straight in the team we've got a lot of good players yeah and and, and his his the number of appearances that he gets in the first half of the season will be entirely down to how he fits into the structure, but also how the rest of the team behave around him. Yeah, yeah, I agree with all that. But I agree with my, all that. My, but my point would be, Dan, that I just don't think we would invest that amount of money with someone that we thought was going to score. No, no, no. I, 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 but I agree with everything I said. It's just that I think that with the time he's on the pitch, and I don't think he will be an absolute regular starter by any means, I still think he'll get over 20 goals. In all company, because he, he'll take pens when, when, when Mo's not on the pitch. He's never missed one. I would love that. I don't think Mo's going to not be on the pitch very much. 
But I would love for him. To, it would be my favourite thing five, for this five season subs, right? for him to, him to fly. Five subs. He Mo will he'll be he'll be like the birds. Mo Mo will be picking Klopp's eyes out if if he's getting subbed in games regularly. He's not the World Cup. He wants to finish top scorer. He wants to win the yeah, Ballon d'Or. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't have oh, many years go. left. It's a good range. Cy twelve, me twenty three, Rosie twenty eight. <laughs> anyway, right. So let's just talk about how repeatable is last season, and that brings us on to um, you've done some quality work on this, and it's how repeatable is last season. Um, I've seen your notes; it's superb stats analysis. And let's just come to that. Let's just come to the team level performance. We'll leave injuries and VAR for for side, but team level performance. One, are there any red flags? And two. I'll, I'll go with where do, do, we, do we need some positive skews to win the league? Okay, so there's a bit, I use understatus data because A, I've worked out how I can get a big data sheet from it and B, I quite like, you know, it's quite easy to manipulate, shall we say. Um, and on the stat, in terms of scoring, I think we were overperformed by what, point point nine eight, uh, which isn't unsurmountable. If you if you run that as a, as a Monte Carlo so how many? How likely were Liverpool to score ninety four goals given all of the shots that they took in terms of xG for the whole of last season? You come in a median ninety six, a mean at ninety five, uh, and a range is quite large. But the standard deviation, sorry, is about eight, so seven point five. So for me, that's I think that's sustainable, um, and I think that the variance in there, I think I wrote was me due to some of the fatigue at the end of the season um so that we we potentially could have scored more given the xg we created if that makes sense but i, I think given that what we scored it's very very marginal but the fact the mc came out pretty much bang on what we scored suggests that i think that is you know that's sustainable for me as a, as a, an offensive metric um defensively we outperformed by 6.73 goals against um, and again running through the same process testing it through an MC what yeah, MC we were, for those that are uh, Monte Carlo so it just basically runs it uses all the probability of all the shots you've either taken or faced and then runs that, that in a simulation I did it for a thousand times for if people listen to the Champions League game I did it for ten thousand times and you test it against a level at which so for the Champions League I tested it against how many times we'd scored zero uh, for the offensive, I just chatted about. I set it at the goals we actually scored in the season, which was ninety-four, and then for the defensive, I've set it at twenty-six goals, which is how many? How likely were we to only concede twenty-six goals, given all of the shots we faced in terms of xG? Well, and um, the Monte Carlo returned a median of thirty-three and a mean of thirty-three as well, as well. So that suggests to me we we overperformed, but to the tune of nearly seven goals. I would suggest that if you look at the front half of the season when BBD was returning to yeah. form and our midfield choice wasn't, as we just said, wasn't quite right in terms of control. Okay, players I think out that, of form as well. Yeah, players out of form. I think that accumulated to that variance there because back end of the season, although, again, fatigue kicked in at the end, so we stopped we stopped clean sheets for the last three other games, I think it was, and conceded first in, a lot, in the last three yeah. games. So... I think that variance accounts for that tune. So for me, I think we can sustain that and if not improve 
our defensive output by the fact that we'll start with the players in a, in a good place. If that gets what I mean, you know, I think they'll be they'll be uh, ready. Absolutely. And um, what positive skews do we need? I think we could do with. Having said, I think we're on par with scoring. I think we could do with scoring. You know, ultimately our goal difference. Uh, our non-penalty expected goal difference was 61 and our actual goal difference was 73. So that skew probably needs to carry on. You know, it's always good to be the right side of a, of a, of a skew in terms of conceding goals, right? So I think we could, yeah, uh, I think we're going to need to run. I'm not, we weren't overly hot scoring, but I do think there are times when we were slightly outperforming all the time. We said that on the pod early season. So I think we could do with a bit of a, bit of a run there. Uh, in terms of scoring, um, particularly potentially through some heavy periods uh, beginning of the season, that first block in the middle of the season. Um, yeah, so I think defensively, I think we can sustain that uh, more realistically so the range will decrease. But if not, then we need to write, we need that skew as well. I'm going to start off with injuries. I think it's the biggest single factor that determines a team's high max and min of a season, the possible ranges is their injury level. So, Sai, first of all, how repeatable is our injury levels from last are our injury levels from last season? What's the chances of us having the same level of injury? Quite high? Uh, I no, yeah, I think they're very high. I think I think in the distribution um data that, that Bart's put out yeah uh, that shared with us yesterday about point spreads and stuff like that, I think we're right in the in the middle um of of likelihood um, of us getting the number of injuries we had, like, I think that's that's right. We're in the middle of the Premier League, and we've got we've recruited the most durable players you can get, and we have the best, most um, top-down integrated sports science support in the world. Mm. So, so it's absolutely possible that we get less injuries than we had last season. Oh, even though we're starting the season with three first teamers injured. So that would be Jota, Jota, Ox, and um, oh, Canate. Samik. Yeah, I still. Samikas Samikas injured. Yeah, Samikas Samikas got a little got strained. So when I say first teamers, I mean I watched Canate, and if he's got more than a dead leg, I'll eat my glass. Okay. You don't. You don't think it's. You don't (laughs) think it's serious. Milner Milner walked up to him. He he ruffled his hair and called him a pussy, right. and he when, got up and carried on for another five minutes. Van Dyke around a little bit. When Van Dyke did his ACL against Everton, he walked off the pitch. Oh, but that's an ACL. Any... That's just normal. Yeah, but he didn't. He didn't carry on playing. He got treatment right. straight away. Like right. Canati didn't get treatment for five minutes, and when he did get treatment, Morgo was a little bit reluctant to get on the pitch. It was like okay. what. All right, so you don't think you don't think Canate's injured, and Jota is minor. I don't think Canate's injured, and and Jota's not minor, but he's coming to the end of his injury. So he's going to miss most of August, where there's not many games anyway. Yeah, I think okay. he'll be back. Or he'll be back in full training for Man United. Okay, and is Ox a bad one? Don't care. Is Ox? I'll ask again. Is, is Ox, Ox a bad one? play for us anyway? Is uh, Ox a yeah, bad injury? Ox, Ox, yeah, he'll, so he might miss six minutes. He might have played otherwise. He's not. In, he's not in our first team squad. Can I? Ask, can I not. try and? Can I? Can I try and get an answer to the question? Is Ox's injury a bad one? He's got the worst hamstring injury of the bunch. Okay, thank you. But it's just right. a hamstring injury. 
He hasn't torn it off the bone or anything. Apparently Jones is injured as well. It's not, there's an argument. There's, a, there's an argument, Dan, that we haven't got any first team. No, players. that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, the, all, all, the whole first team yeah, squad yeah. of first team players, Rosie. Yes, I know, but yeah, okay. But Apparently Jones is injured as well. Um, I mean, if we're if we're going from what we were analysing earlier about how few games we've got in August and how Klopp tends to pick his teams to just. Pick one team. It's going to be the same team. It's going to be the same team. We're going to have some subs. He would have planned for this to have those specific first-team players for those games. So I don't think any of the players that are injured at the moment would be starters. That's all. I'm not saying they won't be later in the season, like Jota and obviously Kanate, which I would like. But I don't think Ox or the other or Kanate or um, Jota would have been involved in those games. As stars. Uh, Sorry, Jones. Just to answer Amman, Injured. who was talking about CJ, he, he got, he's got a tiny little strain. He's fine. Okay. And Cater was ill, wasn't he? He missed the, he missed the last yeah, match. Yeah, Cater was literally sick. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, then. And the other big one, which is the, an uncontrollable, unfortunately, is, is VAR. Um, I, I mean... Rosie, I think um, I think the bad news is is that we're probably going to go slightly the other, the other way. You know, all all things being equal, because last season we had a bit of a a positive swing with VAR. We ended up with the the most um, VAR overturns, positive VAR overturns in the league. So, yeah, positive VAR overturns uh, is is kind of a is kind of a different um, metric that I would look at. I think we were still pretty bad in terms of. The ones that we thought should have been and weren't. Does, doesn't but it just mean that refs have been mean to us? And <laughs> yeah, and they overturned in our favour. Either way, yeah. Um, That's what I'm saying, yeah. It's just because you get the correct decisions doesn't mean it's kind of a, an overturn in our favour. And that's how these... And it's one... It's a, like, VAR stats are just a new thing. So we're, just, we're all learning what are the most important ones to look at. Um... We're also quite high on the net decisions as well last year, last last year. We were positive on the net. Yeah, it wasn't net three or four yeah. though. But but we've gone from a we've gone from a minus seven or eight. Yeah, that's what, but remember with VAR, just like goals, big chances and errors, they are like match influencing events. And that that was gonna be one of my key points when we're talking about our points predictions at the end of the season. It's just it's so close between the two that are gonna be up for the title. That it could be any of these things. It could be a couple of like big a Rodri, injuries for like his a side. Var at, could, at Everton. Yeah. yeah, it could be. It could be a couple of yeah. VAR decisions. It, it it's just it could be a couple of ref decisions that don't even get looked at because we had some of them, like the, the Kane one, yeah. um, which was a match yeah. decider. So the, it, it's so it's so subjective. I think we're getting there slowly. We're starting to understand the VAR data slowly. But and VAR is going to get better with the offside one, obviously the automated stuff. But still, it's just it's it's a coin flip, Dan. It's not. I can't even. This, I don't think you can give an analysis on how VAR is going to influence a single side. We can talk about how it's been implemented over the league, yeah. but I don't. We we got a slightly different skew last season, but I don't think the skew was enough to go. Oh, we've gone from one of the worst to one of the yeah. best. Because I don't think that's how VR was working. Because you're not taking into account all the other decisions that either weren't referred or were, were referred and nothing happened or those kind of things. It's such a 
big data set that we're only scratching the surface. Okay, off. fair enough. Okay, no problem at all. Uh, right, so should we talk about um, in terms of in the context of how sustainable was last season, uh, or how repeatable was last season? Yeah. Shall we look at where Liverpool FC were maybe running hot, maybe things that might be unsustainable year on year, and also maybe where we can expect some natural improvements, like some just nat- some, some positive improvements, but things maybe didn't go our way last season. So, Rosie, do you want to you go first on this one? Yeah, I've, this is an interesting one because I've got, obviously I've got the six models across, six yeah. XG models that we're looking at, and it's non-panel air. And and I've split it into last season we were doing the Premier League and the Champions League data, but I've got the full final season data from those two competitions, and we were slight, we slightly overperformed on our goal, so we scored two point four three a game, and as non penalty XG was two point two two. So there's not much in that, and it's very much the same for um, goals conceded point eight six conceded and point eight nine, which is there's little bits mm. in there. But it's not enough to go no. hot or oh, cold. Um, exactly. I think it. And, and if you if you listen to when Phil's analysis comes, he does a little bit on the start of the season last season, so waiting games when there were some streaks, and then there were maybe some defensive streaks in our favour towards the end of last season, where we only conceded something like six games mm. away from home in the last eighteen. So that might be a factor. But then there was the, the reverse side of that in the first 18. That's how it works. But our overall numbers were, were as good as they've ever been on the club. So 18.7 shots across both competitions, 19.2 in the league. That's as good as you're ever going to hope. The highest in the league it was. Only conceding 7.5 across both comps, 7.8 in the league. Again, nothing in it. We went from having a big skew where the Premier League data wasn't quite as good as the Champions League, to then it flipping <laughs> as we carried on in the Champions League, where our Champions League data got a lot worse and our Premier League data got a lot better. But I I said last season, if we can be anywhere over three big chances a game with a positive difference of more than two, um, then we'd be in with a very good chance of winning the league. And we, we finished on 2.11 in the Premier League um, and 1.9 across both competitions. I think a two big chance difference is as good as you're going to get. Them and the quality chances. Um, the XG was 1.34. XG difference of 1.34, 1.4 in the Premier League. Again, it's pretty much as you can't hope for more than that. I don't think. I don't think there was hot skis. I don't think it was cold. There was in periods of times, which is always going to be throughout a season. But if you're looking at it overall compared to previous seasons' performance. It's definitely repeatable. So, the only absolutely I have a follow-up question I have for you then on that is that I agree that those numbers do look, you know, they don't look unsustainable in that way. However, there's one key component uh, who has left that, if you like, that baseline performance, which is Sadio Mane. Do you see Sadio yeah. Mane's departure having any impact on those those numbers? Um. Well... I don't. I've already answered this one. You, you think Darwin and Diaz can adequately? Okay. Yes. Good. Yes. Okay, that's fine. Definitely. Excellent stuff. And my only, my, we were talking about the squad depth. My only issue with the squad is we haven't got cover at right back. Gomez did a good job there. We don't know what Calvin Ramsey is going to do. 
that's the only one where I think we haven't got a quality player. Do you think? Um, do you think? So do you think we'll see more of um, Joe at right back this season? Because he played very well there in a few games later on last season, didn't he? It was yeah, and it's a different way. It's back to that one. What I was talking about earlier that we need specific things th- throughout the units of the pitch of how we progress the ball and how we control possession. And if if Trent is our playmaker at right back, mm. um, we can have different things in midfield, and then and then we can have Diaz playing off the right, uh, off the left. But then if you've got Gomez. Um, then you need different things from that in midfield. You need to have Thiago playing always, and then probably Naby um, to create more in midfield, and then a connection with the with the forwards. So, yeah, he he can play, and I didn't want him to, but um, on Sunday, uh, Klopp was absolutely insistent he was playing right back. So he played the first half at centre back, and then second half he was he was organised. He was playing right back, and um, uh, we got an injury at centre back, and he uh, in the end Sep came on and played there instead of moving uh, instead of Sep playing right back, which done also. Uh, Gomez carried on playing right back, so it's mm. definitely something that that Klopp has in mind. Do you think? Do you think um, Gomez will get more right back minutes than Ramsey this season? Uh, honestly, I don't know anything about Ramsey. I couldn't pick him out of uh, if if yeah. if he had two people in a room, I wouldn't know what he's like. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't know if he's been bought as first team. Cover he's black, or white, he's ginger, prospect. blonde. Yeah. No idea. <laughs> well, he's Scottish, so it's definitely going to be ginger. No, I don't think he is. You need to, uh, you need to listen to the Northcroft and uh, Graham Hunter pod. But, really got, good on them. Jocks that are talking about how amazing he is. <laughs> what's that going to tell me it's like having, a, it's like having, having, it's having one of the Cardassians tell me how great a Cardassian is yeah it's like you talking about the Derby no, no, no. players hang on hang on uh, he's oh. right though isn't, isn't Graham Hunter an Aberdeen fan we're both the both Aberdeen fans alright yeah okay. I'm not saying he isn't good I'm saying I literally have no opinion because I've never seen him I don't know what quality he is I don't know if he's supposed to come into play I don't know if he's going to be in the in the under 23s I've no idea I would I would guess that Joe Gomez is ahead of him as a right back yeah I, I, I agree with you actually so I think he'll play more in the major competitions um, right so have you got any things that you think fall into those potentially unsustainable maybe running hot or maybe natural improvements categories I, I think we've got we've got a few natural improvements right but but my main worry concern the but the only thing i think we could we've been potentially overperforming at but that is against normal people's thresholds and then we don't have normal people in our team mm. um is set pieces i think we overperform mm. at set pieces and we're very, very hot. We scored ten. We scored ten and a half percent of all shots from set pieces. Yeah, that's, we fucking, tw- that's absurd. Twenty-one goals from corners in all competitions last season. You score one out of ten shots from a corner. Yeah, yeah. Abs- it's, it's absurd. And and yeah. bear in mind that the, the shot quality of those is point eight. Yeah, like it's a point zero eight. So you're scoring ten. Yeah, yeah, point yeah, zero eight. They're like that's unsus- uh, that's unsustainable. But then you factor in that those are headers, so those are, those are going to be lower uh, chances in in xG terms anyway. But then you look at who's delivering the ball. So you know you've got an all time great delivering delivering the pass in the first place, yeah. and you've got all time greats heading the goddamn ball. So uh, yeah. 
I, 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 you know what I mean? the- and, and we're in a historic we're in a historic period of being bad at set pieces. Like yeah. defensive defenses are terrible at the moment, and and so we're we're just making out like banshees. So so I'm saying we're, it's it's unusual, but I don't actually think it's unsustainable. Yeah, I, I agree. It's going to be. So a you, piece. What, so you reckon fifteen, fifteen to eighteen is the well. We got the most. Or... We got the most set piece shots that there's ever been in a Premier League season by about twenty last season. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think we can match that again. I, I think it will come down a little bit rosy. Um, but maybe the goals will come down a little bit as well. Um, but I mean, it'll still be we'll still be top two, I reckon, in the league. But we've just added a huge aerial threat, haven't we? We have. We have. I agree. And I, agree. I would point anybody, nice. at anybody listening to this in the direction of an amazing stat uh, thread from Mark R Stats on Twitter, um, who has taken the chess um, style ELO ranking approach to aerial duels. So what? Fantastic. What he's done there is he's given everybody the same starting point and then he's then the plus minus on the direct um, duels between people and then their ELO grows and their ELO shrinks as they, they, as they win more. And if they come up against another higher ELO header or aerial duel player, if they win a duel versus that, that's worth you know proportionally more. And Virgil van Dijk will be no surprise for anybody to hear, is the best player in Europe over the last three years. In, and he's got the highest no heading ELO. Yeah. It's, it's, so then it's nobody's in... surprised about that. But who is the, here's the actual surprise. Which of Liverpool's player is second highest? Um, I saw when it's height adjusted, I saw the answer When it's that. height adjusted, exactly. Yeah, it's Thiago. second best? There Thiago, you go. Yeah, Thiago, yeah. So it's for, for height adjusted ELO. He was really, really, he performed really well. Which matches the eye test. He's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, Rodri was really high up there as well, wasn't he? Unfortunately. Yeah, he's a beast. Yeah, I would recommend anybody. The link to that is in the under pressure chat. Uh, he also he also on the same site has an expected threat. Yes, yeah, he is. He is. He's very good. He's a gold mine. In fact, uh, I guess Toby doesn't get taken down by anybody anytime soon. But there you go. Right. Uh, um, so, so 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 to add into the things that I think could could go up. Is um, is that I the underlying numbers suggest that um, that the second half of the season Mo was unfortunate, um, and not only was he a little unfortunate, it's very likely going to regress back to the mean, which is much better mm. than it was at the, at the end of the season. So yeah. so that that's going to be a positive, and he is going to be the most rested that he has been this season out of seasons he's been at Liverpool. Um, which I think looking at his record when he begins a season fresh, having had two weeks or more off, um, he is the best player in the league for the first three months of the season. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm fully expecting him to fly. And how good again, Jesus. Well, I agree. I mean, that, that is a little bit more, that's a, that's a big natural improvement, that's I. <laughs> yeah, and, more... it's, and it, it's the most predictable, I think. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think it's a pretty safe bet. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So we can look at other slightly less predictable, but but uh, going against the, my feeling and looking just directly at the numbers, the six point nine percent conversion rate is unsustainable for Diaz. He's going to score. Uh, yeah, he'll just he, he'll just improve that. to a natural ten nine ten percent again. Yeah, like not, yeah, like yeah, yeah. And he, he'll hope. And 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 with coaching, people talk about coaching and Klopp's in, uh, Klopp's influence or Pep's influence. 
whatever. One of the things that he will be doing, part of of the coaching story, coaching journey with him is he will be getting into different positions than he naturally does and naturally has done in the past. So he will be ending with specific timing in in places on the pitch in the box that will give him a, a higher chance to score than he has previously shown and pre- places he has pre- previously been in because he's a street baller and he is that we've taken this wonderful street ball really exciting. and Klopp is going to nurture him into one of the best players in the world that's the plan and that pro- that progression is is uh, tactical is a system wide is how he integrates in the system. And, and which is something that we couldn't do, wasn't it, Sai? Because we didn't have any rest days or chance exactly. to do any of this. Exactly. Yeah. So, so uh, my feeling for this season is we run away with the league. Thiago's the best player in the league, not called Mo Salah, and Diaz is the second best player in the league, not called Mo Salah. That's not the most likely uh, situation, but that's how I feel like the season could well go. Looking, this is from the underlying numbers. This is not just my gut. Yeah, looking forward to the p- predictions. If, the if he improves five percent, if he improves five percent on that on the on the, show, which I don't believe it comes about from here. I think it comes about from positioning. It means we've created a higher percentage chance for, and then and then he scores more goals. So he he is going to play much more of a role in replacing Mane's goals, and then. I I I just think it, it it will fly from that point, and if if you guys are right anyway, Jesus Christ! I'm already predicting 102 yeah. points. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> I have a few to add to that. A few ones which could thankfully thankfully other oh, people haven't finished. First of all, one thing that is definitely going to get worse is that we didn't concede a penalty in the Premier League all of last season, so that's going to change. Um, like it or not, uh, we will ca- we will concede a penalty at some point. Um, secondly, um, we were the best team, pretty much the best team in the league in both boxes last season, and by quite a distance. Um, and yes, we have good players at both ends, um, but with 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 that, there always is the the possibility that you are riding the percentages a little bit too much. So just as a few, just a little bit of context on that is that um, in front of goal, um, maybe apart from the last five or six matches when we didn't um, do this, we were the best finishers in the league. We had 94 goals from 86 post shots XG. So that's eight goals above um, uh, um, what we what we 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 gained eight goals through our quality of our finishing. So the only thing here was the next three teams we're all within 1.5 goals of ours. So we weren't like miles ahead or anything like that. We were just the best. So that might come down a little bit. We might be a little bit closer to our to our non-shot, uh, post-shot XG this season. Um, but the biggest ones, which do look huge gaps, are on the assists minus, expected assists minus assists at both ends. So last season, uh, we... Uh, our opponents finished with 9.3 fewer assists than they should have been should have expected um so we conceded 27.3 but expected assists but only 18 actual assists um now wolves were similarly hot to us last season um 
and there was a huge gap then to Burnley, who were uh, three goals, three assists fewer than expected. So that was a big thing. And in attack, uh, we had 10.9 more assists than expected. Now, much of that will be, as size already covered, through set place, where you get a delivery into the box and then you get a low percentage chance, which you then score from. Um, so again, but I, I, I do expect both of those things to narrow. Um, so in the attack, it, it will narrow down a bit as well. But the the key thing for me for the whole the whole season or you know the league season uh, is 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 Alison Becker for me uh, and and Virgil Van Dijk um, because I, they enabled the whole system more than any other players that we got. And I think Alison's is so so pivotal to. Um, the, the the amount of like last season we were we conceded the fourth most through balls in the league, um, and um, we had the most sweeper keeper actions in the league as well. We had one point seven per match. Wolves were the next most in the league with one point one, uh, and we yeah we know we we faced the third most through balls in the Premier League with forty five, which is well over one per game. And some of those might yeah some late flags I agree yeah but yes point still stands. So. I think the form and the fitness of Alison Becker and Virgil van Dijk is absolutely pivotal to maintaining that elite level performance. We'll still be able to, even if they're not at top form and not available, we can still do stuff through the quality of our attack. But I think they, I think they're they're, they're the two most pivotal players. And obviously, Alan's got Alison's got that little injury at the moment as well. And just a word on Van Dijk. Um, just over his whole Liverpool career now, his league career, 129 games. Uh, he's won 75% of them in the league. 2.43 points per game over his entire career. 92-point season. So that's his baseline. Virgil's baseline, 92-point season. 50% of the clean sheets. 50% of the Premier League games he's had a clean sheet. Um, and um, he's, he's, he's averaging 2.3 goals scored per game and 0.8 conceded, which is 88 over a season. 20, 88 scored overseas and 29 conceded, plus the organisation, plus the high line, plus the offside trap. Um, you know, we had the most offsides by a mile. You know, that's again, that's something that should be sustainable, but might come down a little bit. Maybe we get, maybe we do get slightly fewer offsides. Who knows? But um, we had a huge differential there in terms of the, the gap between us and the second most teams. So I'm not saying they're all, we were running hot in any of those things, maybe apart from the pens and the assists side of thing. Um, but um, I do see some risks there that those two players are uh, just so important. Yeah, I, I think I th- I'm not like it's interesting when we when we try and um, isolate individuals as far as being like being crucial to how we set up. I think size right with about eight. I think mm. if we have three, four injuries to to that, to that core of eight, like for periods of time longer than eight weeks, then we are going to struggle because they're, they're the best in the world. But if we can keep that core of eight for 90 minutes of availability over the season, then we win the 70, league. 70, 75% availability wins you the league. Look for that from yeah. there as well, Sai. That wasn't... Yeah. Is, is your best five players, the best five players of the top six teams. Um, if any, the, the only once in Premier League history of the team with the the highest uh, with availability of 
of their best five players, only once have they not won the league. And that was Liverpool. Like, whenever we didn't win the league before the season before we did. 18-19, yeah. 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 Um, so... Can I, so Darth, can I just jump in there? Right? I get, I get and I understand completely your views on like those um, overperformances, but I would just go down to the quality of player in the box. We are the best in the world. We have the mm. best goalie in the world. We have the best forward in the world. That's so, so we just add this extra value on top of XG, which is just yep. normative data. That's all. And I think that stands out. If you look at the expected threat, we we have the second highest expected threat conceded, but um, we are we are thirty two percent more than City, but we have Ali in goal, and he stops yeah. that. You you're talking about the expected assists. That's because there's a through ball, and yeah. then Ali yeah. Ali just yeah. is the best in the world. He's not doing something extraordinary for him. He's doing what Ali does. Yeah. So question then: Is he going to be ready and primed to the season? Uh, I think he's fine, yeah. I think he's fine. I think he's playing. Do you think he's going to be in top condition, yeah? I, I, I think that whole top condition with the goalie is just, uh, I think it's, I, I don't Because yeah, he has had a few injuries something you'd before. You'd see numbers on yeah. Champions League manager or something. Yeah. I just think okay. you're either player or you don't, you're a goalie. Okay. It's not that hard. Yeah, I just didn't. I didn't see. I, I, as I said, I just see these, these things. They, they are. They have to. They have to do it again. And like, there's no reason to doubt they won't. But they have to. You wor- you're a yeah. warrior deep down, aren't you, Darth? That's what it. <laughs> no. <laughs> to, me, to me, the only absolutely stonewall regression that we're going to have is we're going to concede a penalty. Yeah, makes sense. Um. All right. Okay. Um. So, crunch time. Crunch time. I think we we can get 90 points again uh, and I think we should expect 90 points again and I think all those things that we talked about um the, the potential improvements and the positive skews that we're going to need are the things we will say how far above 90 are we going to get I don't think we're going to have the lightning bolts of two seasons ago to to throw us off that I think that's the the only way that we we don't we don't achieve the ninety. Is if we get like serious injury to Allison or or Van Dijk again, um, and and I think City will also be are also equipped to get ninety again, and I and I also think they probably will as well. Even though I do think I'm looking at some of their replacements and the, the players they've let go, the nets, if you like, the net in and out of City overall, they're they're, they're smaller. Their squad is smaller now, so. I just think, personally, I think we need to get our nose in front. I think we need to put pressure on the City early. Uh, pressure on City early. And I think if we can, um, I think that's our best chance. Um, and I think I'm going to go, we can get 92 again. And I think City may well be slightly lower than us this year. And I'm going to go for us to win. Yeah. I'll go first. I'll go next because I think size going hundred switches. I've gone ninety-two points for the last four seasons for Liverpool. Um, <sighs> listening to and, I, and this is what I always try and do, and sometimes I've gone down, but I think I'm, with with Bart's analysis of Man City, not our skews, not our red flags, and size analysis of our injuries and how we could deal with the World Cup and. 
and you do need to listen to Phil's analysis of Man City where he just goes into more detail of what you just spoke about there with their net loss and gains, which I think is a really fascinating aspect of it. I'm going to go 90... Oh. But I still don't know if we'll win the league. <laughs> oh, you think it's going to be like an 18-19 season? Uh, it could be 94 points all. And I, I'm going to quit watching football after that if we don't win it. <laughs> Sorry, last word to you. So going on the rolling 19s, the uh, City are at, City are at 93.2 second half of the season. They did just what they needed to do just to beat us. I think they continue at a 93 point but in a slightly different pattern, create, creating goals in a slightly different way. Um, uh, well, not creating goals. Yeah, they're definitely creating goals in a slightly different way, but they, but they will win games in a slightly different way. They won't be quite as tight. Um, I think they were freakishly above average last season. Um, and but they they will rack up. There'll be that you'll probably get the highest ever um, victory score this season, maybe in more than one game, because some teams will just lie down. As so, you think you will yeah, get nine maybe nil, eleven, ten nil? Yeah, 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 yeah. But then they will slip up to Crystal Palace and one nil. Um, and so I think they'll get. I think that the City are going to get um, between ninety one and ninety three points. I'm going ninety three, um, and Liverpool's rolling ninety two points. So I feel like that's our high point. One hundred and two if Thiago plays three thousand minutes, and I think ninety five is our low. I, I'm going with a ninety eight point title victory. Oh. Oh, sorry. And on that ah. bombshell... End it now, Dan. Dan, end bombshell, it <laughs> <laughs> We are going to bid you farewell. And it's been the Monster um, monster pre-season preview. Let's see how we're going to do. Um, Rosie's going to edit in part of his contribution to this as well. Good Lord. Right. <laughs> we will be back next Monday for this first UP for real of the season against... Fulham, um, and it's the big one this Saturday lunchtime. Uh, and until then, up the fucking Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.